We should tell him we're calling. He may have stepped away. Oh, it's loading. Oh. Oh, did it work? Hello? It did! Hi! Ready graphics? Ready theme? Mostly what we did, and this was an early thought from Diane and from Barnett, which was, this has got to be like front page. It's got to be newsroom. It's got to be energy. It's got to be fast. It's got to be, you know, these people, they, they don't mess around. They, they're good with language. They say what they want. Hey, everyone. This is Jesse Mullins. And this is Lauren Milberger. And we have a, another really exciting interview for you guys. Yes. Joe Ragabuto. Mm-hmm also known as Frank Fontana. You may have seen or heard of him for all 10 seasons. And coming back for the revival. Yeah, and we had such a lovely conversation with Joe. It, we were we were so touched that he would come on and, and meet us, and he was so generous with his time and his thoughts, and he was, I, you guys will just, it's one of those moments when you're really excited that meeting one of your heroes was positive. He does not disappoint. He's everything you want him to be. In part one of the interview, we talked about Murphy Brown, obviously, but we also talked about his um, time that he spent as a very notable guest character on The Golden Girls, um, which reminded us of a great podcast that was in many ways an inspiration for us. It's called Out on the Lanai. Their website is outonthelanai.com. You can also find them on all of the major sites like you can find us. It's hosted by Carrie Doherty and H. Allen Scott. And they are, they are lovely, very well-versed in, in television history kind of folks. Yeah, and they go through Golden Girls mm-hmm. like we do, episode by episode. They also have interviews. And then one quick thing before we go into the interview. Sometimes when you do Skype, you don't hear everything that people say. And uh, when I mentioned what town in New Jersey I was from, it's realized listening back to the recording, Joe thought I said South Plains. Mm-hmm. I'm actually from Scotch Plains. You monster. I don't know if it's still true what he said. <laughs> Just a little asterisk for that. Yeah, you'll you'll understand that when you get mm-hmm. to the episode. So thank you so much. Stay tuned for part two. You can find us on social media on the Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Murphy Brown Pod. Mm-hmm. You can find our website, it's murphybrownpod.com. And our email, if you have thoughts or feedback for us, is murphybrownpod at gmail.com. Yes, and please, if you like what you hear today or any day, please go on iTunes and leave us a review. It's a free way to support the podcast. And we'll see you soon with uh, part two of Joe's interview and then an episode episode soon. Yep, can't wait for you guys to hear it. Bye. Bye. Will the mystery guest please sign in? Hey there, I'm Joe Regalbuto, a.k.a. Frank Fontana. Hello, welcome. Welcome to the show, Joe. On this show, you've heard of Frank Fontana. I think we have. A little. <laughs> a little bit. We may have discussed him a couple times. Perfect. Perfect. Yeah, just a few. Okay, so happy to be with you guys. You know, I forward to this for a long time. First time I heard you think, oh, oh God, I couldn't believe what I heard. <laughs> oh, no, that sounds terrible. <laughs> couldn't believe it. But in the best way, I, I, geez, I, I texted uh, or I, I emailed Diane or something. I said, God, these guys know more about the show than we do. That's what she said to us. Well, you know, that's fandom for you. It, it's crazy. It, it was, you know, the color of the blazers and when it gave this mm-hmm. look. I never thought I was so nuanced. <laughs> well, you're welcome. We gave you the gift of, of the outside perspective. Absolutely. So I'm always so curious. When you guys watch the show, were mm-hmm. you... Uh, were you single parents? Did you have single parents or? Oh, you... good question. Yeah. No, no. I was from a, I, 
I will say I come from a very matriarchal family, mm-hmm. and my mom was definitely a Murphy um, of women, and my father was the very it was very Irish, emotionally available, maternal type. Whereas my mom was the career woman, so I watched my mom on screen. Interesting. Uh, mm-hmm. I just watched a lot of television. <laughs> And uh, I found it in the middle, well, I guess really sort of uh, very close to the beginning of season two. And something about it just took my attention. And I was about 11 or, I was about 11 or 12. And so the show took me from, you know, being a preteen all the way to 21. That's pretty unusual at 11 or 12 you started watching. The reason I asked was because, you know, in, in, in subsequent work over the years, many times I've run into people who say, oh, I'm a big fan. They're young people, and they watch with their single. I hear a lot of people they watch with their single mom. Yeah, we get mm-hmm. that a lot too, because because of the internet, obviously, we get to talk to a lot of our listeners, and some people have been nice enough to email us, and and that is definitely you know something that we've gotten. We've we've gotten a lot of that support. Yeah. Cool. We're so happy to have you here on our our little our little show. Yeah, I'm so happy that you're um, looking at. Coming to to my neck of the New York City woods, because I live in Queens. You do. You know what? I I, do. We're going to have to stay after the show or do a whole episode on Queens (laughs) and Long Island City, if you don't mind. Oh, I'm ready. we're in the middle of of, uh, figuring it out crisis. You'll be filming in Queens. My my son lives in Brooklyn, and my grandson. I have a grandson in Brooklyn, so that's all fantastic. I have a sister in New York. We'll see. We'll see. But it's getting closer, so I have to decide something pretty soon, I think. Yeah. I will say, as uh, somebody who took several years to get used to the New York City housing market, uh, because I came from the Midwest, where everything is done many months in advance, that that is a common feeling. Everything seems to happen with about three days' notice. Yeah. (laughs) Well, speaking of where we're both from, I am from New Jersey. Jersey! Jersey. Yes. <laughs> Very proud. Would we? And so we talk about Jersey on the show a lot because you're from Jersey. Robert Pastorelli was from Jersey. We're Actually, Jersey. more sort of my neighborhood. Oh, uh, Scotch Plains. South Plains. So I'm Union County. You're you were Bergen uh, County, Bergen right? Bergen County, South Plains. Yeah. In case you don't know, that, that's the high end. High end. <laughs> Ooh. <laughs> oh, excuse me. <laughs> so we're kind of from you know a similar sort of you know area of Jersey, but we always like to talk about people's origin stories. So mm-hmm. if you want to talk about how you started out in acting and um, maybe why you wanted to be an actor, we'd love to hear that. Well, you know, I, I did a little besides Jersey. I was born in Brooklyn, actually. Then we moved to the Bronx, a little borough hopping in the beginning, and then as a kid we moved to Jersey. Then I went back to school uh, in in New York. I went to NYU. I first went to the, a place called the American Academy of Dramatic Arts. Then right after that, I was extremely eligible for the draft and got uh, picked number 36 in the lottery. My birthday was 36. So it it was going to be a big, tough choice. And uh, I uh, didn't want to go. I ended up being a conscientious objector. The whole process, you know, you couldn't just go into the draft board and go crazy anymore at that point because you could be bleeding from the eyes and they would take you in. (laughs) It was already uh, Mm -hmm. anybody because you tried every trick in the book. So this was a a legitimate uh, exercise, and and they actually gave me that. So I worked in New York and worked at NYU Medical Center as uh, an alternative service, which is what you had to do. Just Oh, interesting. Just in the library. You you had to always do – you couldn't just sort of say, okay, I'm not going. You had to do an alternative service of some kind. 
So uh, it, it was terrific. And then um, I slowly was losing my mind, which I've done several times over the, you know, over the decades. But um, was advised that, you know, I was missing doing what I really wanted by, uh, by a shrink who happened to be next door. Next door was Bellevue. So it didn't have a good ring to it. You know, I had to go in next door and she helped me out and she said, you're, you're getting your board. You want to do what you were trained to do. You should go back to acting and back to school. She helped me. This is the greatest shrink anybody could ever have. She helped me fill out the applications, got me a scholarship to NYU. This, not like what did your father make of you when you were a little boy? It was like, here, let's sign this. <laughs> So I went back to NYU School of the Arts. This would have been around 1972. Got married at the same time, and there you have it. After after graduating uh, there, by the way, NYU at that time, my graduating class, 18 students. What? 18. Wow. I think there were only like 40 or 50 to begin with, and. Wow, that's I never nowhere that. like oh, it is now. It's gigantic now, I know. <laughs> so we're both familiar with what the, the rigorous process for NYU in the arts is at this point. What was, was it just you signed up and... No, 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 no. It was, it was you had to prepare, you know, your classical and your serious and your contemporary monologues and go in there. And uh, Lloyd Richards was the... Uh, the, the head at that point and, and you had to go and audition for the guy it was it was crazy he was my teacher for a short time i didn't know he was at nyu i just thought he was at yale yeah 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 he he, he started there and uh you know he left almost immediately i, I never really got to work with him but like a teacher of mine was olympia dukakis was one of my teachers oh how good is that right doesn't get better yeah and this and a stellar teacher that i'll never forget a guy by the name of peter cass one of the greatest teachers that I've ever met, one of those influences that you have. People who've worked with him know him. So that, wow. yeah, so that was, you know, virtually it. Right after graduation, I got a part in, in a, uh, my, an equity play. There were these theater auditions they had back in, like, back in those days. Holy crap, this is, this is getting serious. I am so old. At any rate, you would, you would do these things they called the TC Theater Communications Group auditions. Do they still have mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, they do, actually. Yeah. Oh, my God. And so there was a – you'd be a finalist, and you'd have to go to, to Chicago if you were a finalist and go perform your stuff in, in front of all the regional theater directors and producers mm-hmm. and so forth. So I did, and I got a job right away with Jack Guilford – and Margaret Hamilton, the Wicked Witch of the West. Oh, this was my first so cool. equity job. She was the greatest person that you'd ever seen. So was Jack Guilford. You know, I've had a, a few charmed experiences like that, like a lot of firsts with people that in my lifetime I never would have dreamed of, of, of meeting or working with. Do you remember what the show was? It was a show called Too Much Johnson. <laughs> oh, I want that script. <laughs> oh my God! It was uh, it it uh, yeah it, it was not we laughed too much during rehearsal which I told you something. <laughs> <laughs> good, good. I like those shows. So, what eventually made you go out to L.A.? Well, um, you would audition. Then they'd come to New York all the time, 
the producers to see what actors were out here. And they came out to do a show called The Associates. And The Associates was um, done by these producers named James L. Brooks, Ed Weinberger, and Stan Daniels. These were the guys who had done Taxi. They had done the Mary Tyler Moore show. I had no clue about them, but they were gigantic. They came, it was at the Gulf and Western Building in Manhattan, and I auditioned for those guys to, to do this thing, and it was terrific. It was with Martin Short was in it. Yeah. Um, Wilfred Hyde White wow. um, was a wonderful English actor. Um, from He was in My Fair Lady, among a million other things. You'd know his face immediately. Well, with a name like Wilfred. Uh, <clears throat> it was great. Ali Mills was in it, who, who was later in uh, in the Wonder Years. Yeah. Uh, there, um, Tim Thomerson, one of the funniest comedians you'd ever meet. Uh, it was a wonderful experience that got 14 episodes. In those days, the producer, as producers, evidently canceled themselves because they didn't get a big enough pickup. But it was a great show. It, it got reviews like we. We wrote them ourselves. It was a wonderful experience. And that was my intro to uh, Hollywood. Stayed out here. So strangely went back to do another, uh, to do a Broadway play that we originated in California, which is unusual. And then, you know, and I've, I've been here and raised my family here and, you know, done a little bit here and there and try to keep busy as best possible. So how far into your, you said you, you got married around the same time as NYU. Uh, how far into your career were you, having kids as well that's a that's a lot to juggle yeah completely stupid ignorance is 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 as beautiful sometimes you know we just decided to have kids it was um i don't know we we were married three years i was 23 when we got married and um then we had our first i don't know you know what I graduated school and did one job. My wife was working. It was insane. You know, you didn't think about stuff. You just figured it out. I mean, I remember literally we were living in this loft. We would drive around to to lumber yards in the city, borrow a van from somebody, and this loft had a fireplace. And we would get wood and sleep in front of the fireplace so we wouldn't freaking freeze because the electric heat was, you know, you turned it on, it was 200 bucks or something. So, but you know, you didn't think about it, just raise the kids. We had uh, one boy in New York who's still living in New York now. We didn't leave him then. <laughs> just leave him behind, man. <laughs> And uh, other two out here, so you know, I still have family there, and there you have it. And we'll be back in 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 a month. Yeah, full circle. <laughs> now, before we start talking about Murphy Brown, which obviously will be the the yes. the bulk of our conversation, yeah. you guest starred on a lot of really classic television series, mm-hmm. uh, particularly Mork and Mindy, Golden Girls. I think uh, because Golden Girls has become just so popular now, uh, comes up a lot. Mm-hmm. Do you remember working on Golden Girls and being on that set and any of those experiences? Oh God, yeah. You, you know, I, I sort of remember all of them vividly, and. Uh, they were each were so unique another one that you you didn't mention which i'm always so proud of is barney miller oh so good barney miller was such a great show and believe it or not i don't know if they still do that i haven't seen it i got to play two different guest stars on that show 
<laughs> you know, it, it was I played one guy was a, an agent orange salesman, <laughs> and another guy was a, a a New York City garbage cop who was taken in for firing warning shots shots when you threw down a Snickers bar. So he, <laughs> they were hilarious guys. Yeah. Golden Girls was fantastic. I mean, you know, these people were were terrific actors. It's funny. I. I for a long time, would always get the thing of, you know, you you mean, you're so mean. You, you didn't like, you know, because she was a fat girl. And yeah, I mean, that. for our, our listeners who maybe aren't familiar with the episode, it's actually kind of a very famous episode of The yeah, Golden Girls, is, is uh, you were dating Blanche's daughter, and you're horrible to her. To this day, I get comments. You know, it's the power of television is, is ridiculous. Mm-hmm. There was a period where I did... Uh, a cliffhanger and the first five episodes of uh, Knott's Landing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I had a thing where I had something with, with the twins and my twins and I took them back and, you know, and, uh, kidnapping. You kidnapped them, yeah. I, mm-hmm. yeah. Why don't use that word? It wasn't really, okay. <laughs> Do not oh. pass judgment here. Sorry. It's been a long time since I I, I watched the CBS soaps. <laughs> <laughs> So check it out. Here I am. This is so funny. I'm doing an episode of Magnum in Hawaii with Tom Selleck, who at this point is God. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, he's walking down the street. People are screaming out, Magnum, Magnum. <laughs> They're coming up to him, sign my dollar bills. I, I, it was ridiculous. At the same time, we'd be walking together and people would yell out, Give the babies back! <laughs> I'm saying, oh my lord, here, here I've got Tom Selleck on one side, and, and they're, they're taking this dead seriously. Just a phenomenal thing. I ended up working with him like four times, and, and that kind of an experience, you know, he's you don't miss the guy in the street. He's like 6'3". Baby, big head, big every, you know, and down the street. But um, you know, people take this stuff so seriously; it's it's scary at times. Um, a quick jump to Murphy Brown when we did when we had the Dan Quayle issue. We had to put metal detectors outside the stage. You know, it, it just became a different world instantly. Um, and you can see how it can happen in, in, in just a split second. There's there's people everywhere, and um, who and you don't know what they're thinking or what they're doing. And if you, especially now, there's so many topics and sides and um, pretty interesting stuff. Well, I think it's interesting also for those of us who grew up before this streaming binge culture, where you can go back and rewatch things. One of the reasons why I remember your time on, say, Golden Girls, so well is this is. For those of us who would just watch an episode and not necessarily get to see it again until syndication came along, we remembered the standout moments and the things that really stuck with you. And a lot of times it was it was great character performances or these really striking storylines that resonated. And yours and Golden Girls, I, I get why people still won't let that go. <laughs> yeah, and I think also before you could have a movie in the palm of your hand, mm-hmm. there was an intimacy to television mm-hmm. that you didn't have with movies. Oh, completely. And, and you're there in your living room, um, 
you know, I mentioned to you guys at another time, people just sitting alone with their moms or watching television, things make an impact. It's it's sort of different and, and funny. In a way, as an actor, it was like, ah, thank God a job. That's always, I think it's always sort of first in an actor's brain, God, I'm working, I'll get through the next month or two. And then um, after that, you know, it was a fun part. And as we we all know, it's fun sometimes to play the nasty guy. But for me, it was just, I didn't, you don't think in terms of impact or, or down the road at all. I wasn't thinking that way. I was just thinking, this is fun. These people are fun. It's, it's, you know, everybody's a sport about this. And the women were great to me. You don't forget things like that. You know, mm-hmm. it's always rewarding to me when somebody comes up and says, oh, you were so nice to me. I was nervous. Sometimes, thank God. <laughs> <laughs> but um, so, yeah, it, it was great. I mean, Mork and Mindy is 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 like a, a a memory for me that is uh, terrific. First of all, I got to work with Robin Williams and Jonathan Winters together. It, it's it's it was nuts to, to just be around that energy and 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 uh, see those two guys. For instance, they would go down. In, am I talking too much? No, 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 no. Please, this do. is an interview of you. <laughs> <laughs> We're just eating popcorn on the side, just like taking it in. So please do. Um, but those two guys were, were so brilliant. They would go downstage between setups and they would do 10, 15 minutes of the most brilliant improvisation you ever saw. It, just for the studio audience. Wow. And you're standing on the side laughing your ass off. You can't believe what's going on. And then... They get back, they get on stage and do the written stuff. Eh, maybe not quite as good, but fantastic. And listen, it was the last three Mork and Mindy's they ever did. Um, I got to play a guy from Neptune who came down to Earth to take over the planet. You know, today's <laughs> work. Um, and it was three episodes. Uh, the last one, they shot in 3D. You had to go to Wendy's to pick up your 3D glasses. <laughs> they were desperate. Mork and Mindy was, was on its way out for some reason. It was, you know, maybe it run, it's run its course. Yeah. Let's go for 3D. We'll keep these people. So we're out in the mountains shooting 3D, and I'm trying to take over the planet. And uh, it, it, it there is an all-time thing, which I actually posted somewhere, or my son posted it. One of the scenes was me in a, you know, a typical fight between myself and Robin and Jonathan Williams. Uh, John, it, it was just Jonathan Winters. It was just hilarious. It was cartoonish and funny and a great scene. So you know, it's a great memory for me to to have uh, worked with those two guys. Not everybody can say that. Yeah. I mean, you have that a lot in your career. You have a lot of amazing standout, and like just the collection that you have made of co-stars. It's it's really cool to look at. Yeah, you did a movie that I used to watch all the time as a kid, and I had forgotten that you were in it until I was reviewing your IMDb. It was called Six Weeks with Dougley Moore and Mary Tyler Moore. Oh. Yeah, I I was kind of obsessed with it when I was six because I related. I was to the girl, even though she was older than me, as as I was studying dance, and I thought, oh well, there's a child in a movie. 
But it's really sad. Mm -hmm. And I don't know why I would watch it over and over again because the child, it's about a child who dies, Mm -hmm. unfortunately. Yeah, Yeah, but um, but as a child, I thought, oh, here's a child in a movie, just like I would watch Annie and I would sort of feel like I saw myself. That's fascinating. And and I'll tell you that the, 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 again, another precious memory to me, Dudley Moore, Mm. the star of that movie, was. just one of the greatest men, most hilarious men. I, I put him up there with uh, very few others. He was so funny. At the end of that movie, I had such a great time working on it. I actually wrote him a, a note, and I don't do that much, but I, I did. This was fun and just loved it. I got back a full handwritten letter from Dudley. This was terrific. We'll do it again, blah, blah, blah. Mm. It, was, it was wonderful. And, and Mary Tyler Moore. I'd never met her. She was a little different, a little more standoffish, you know, a little more private. <clears throat> and we were not real social on the set. But, and this is just so typical, Dudley Moore brought in one of those fart machines. <laughs> Good. And for some reason, this just absolutely made Mary Tyler Moore die. She just <laughs> loved the fart machine. The next day, he comes in with a box of fart machines for all of us. So we're all doing it to each other and we're saying, oh, and, and, and this is so-and-so, this is the head of the network's fart. And you'd make, you'd, you'd make a different kind of fart. You'd do this. <laughs> so I'm having so much fun with these guys and, and I really, I think maybe I should stop. Meanwhile, you know, Dudley Moore comes in the next day with one in each hand. You know, he's never going to see he's going on. And Mary Tyler Moore, who hardly ever said a word to me during the thing, she comes up to me one morning and it was like, <laughs> with the machine. And I was thinking, okay, maybe this is a good morning. I'm so happy. I was like, I don't know what this I got a, I got a little farm machine buzz from Mary Tyler Moore. <laughs> There's something about it, just that like primal childlike joy of of a fart machine that just unifies us all, man. I, I swear <laughs> I never saw anything like it. You know, I thought I'd gone too far. Dudley keeps going. Mary is just cracking up with this thing yeah you're exactly right it's so primal so silly you know (laughs) here you have all these big wigs and everybody (laughs) (laughs) that's such a great story oh that's oh that's so good and i i love that idea of everyone's coming from a different place in the day there's something about dudley moore i my favorite christmas movie growing up was the oh it was santa claus the movie with him and john lithgow and I just spent my entire childhood with my family loving this man. And anytime I've talked to somebody who had the opportunity to work with them or knew somebody who did, it's the same type of story that he was just gold. You know, the guy would sit down. There were a couple of, a couple of big sets and luxurious sets and there'd be a piano. He'd sit down. Yeah. We hear that. And and you know how it would have really been as he was. He'd play for everybody for 20 minutes. It was insane. Goody. And he never literally. Okay. And we're rolling, and he's pretending to take off his pants. And <laughs> here we go, and and then action, and boom, perfect. I, I was just, you know, knocked out by him. I, I, I can get going on, on some of these brilliant people that 
knocked me out over the years, and it, it, it's, it's startling to me. Well, before we move on to Murphy Brown, was there anyone in your early career that we haven't mentioned that you really loved working with, that you have a story about? Well, there, there, are, there are many. I mean, <laughs> I, I've been gifted. You know, I, I got to work with Jack Lemmon and, and Sissy Spacek mm-hmm. in, in a wonderful movie, another thing that I'm just very proud of. And Jack Lemmon is one of those guys, everything that you think he might be, he, he was, just the most generous, sweetest, funniest, kindest guy. Um, you know, Clint Eastwood I worked with, I got to work with. I mean, my first job. My first ever job was, well, I should say my first ever job in New York City was in Central Park doing Measure for Measure in a production with Meryl Streep, John Cazale, Sam Waterston, Jeffrey Tambor, Michael Tucker. Uh, It it, it just went on and on and on. Uh, John Pasquin directed it. it, it was, it was, you know, it was nuts. I mean, I had just a tiny little. I think I was the second gentleman. I couldn't even get the first gentleman, but I, it was. I was a gentleman, and uh, it was, you know. So, so there's that kind of stuff. Uh, when Murphy came, I got to meet everybody on the planet that I would never meet. I got to direct Elizabeth Taylor, for God's sakes. That's amazing. What was that like? Did you ask to direct that episode, or was it just sort of a happy accident? Happy accident. You know, I didn't direct any for about the first five years. And then uh, Steve and Gary actually said, let's, let's, you know, we don't want to see the guy beg any longer. uh, I was pretty quiet about it. But you know what? Luckily for me, I would say I was the only guy in the cast who was interested in directing. Nobody else really cared about it. They wanted to just do their stuff. Now, I noticed on your IMDb that very early on that you directed an episode of Throb. You know about Throb? I oh, love yeah. Throb. Also, Jane Leaves is in Throb. Yeah, we love Jane, Jane Leaves. Throb. Yeah, but no, mm-hmm. Throb is one of the first sort of syndicated shows I remember watching as a kid. Again, I watched a lot of television when I shouldn't have. That was the first thing I ever directed, and that was just before Murphy Brown. That's amazing. And uh, I directed two episodes there. That's where I got to meet Jane, who I later directed in in Hutton, Cleveland. Plus, even before that, she had another show, I forgot the name of it, that I directed a couple of episodes, a few episodes for. So, yeah, that was it. And, And I sort of thought, you know, I'm scared about acting. I don't know where acting is going. You know, you, you do a pilot, it doesn't go. You do something that's great, it goes a little, and then it gets shut down. And then, you know, I, I went through my major panic. So I thought, you know, this is what I'm going to do. This is what I'm going to focus on this like a madman. Then Murphy Brown came along, and I actually, it's, it's, it's all embarrassing in a way. I actually said no at first. Because I think, you know what, it's, I don't see too much of Frank in this thing. It's okay. It's, it's a great, it looks like it's really well written. I see that. But, you know, what am I doing? And now I'm a great director. I've done two episodes of Throb. <laughs> <laughs> so Diane called me. Thank God she called me is all I can say. Thank God you, you, remember, you remember certain things. I remember getting on the phone. She could have stopped at hello. And I would have said, okay, I'm in. <laughs> <laughs> but um, she was just terrific and, and told me a, a, about a few ideas that she had for Frank down the road. And 
it wasn't didn't really take any convincing or that I had a real intellectual idea why I wouldn't do it. It was just a mental breakdown. And she was nice enough to, uh, to say it might be good for you. (laughs) (laughs) It seems like a lot of, uh, a lot of stories with getting into Murphy Brown include Diane knowing better. Yes, that's true. (laughs) Which thank goodness. No more doubting. (laughs) Absolutely. When she when she emailed us the first time about this possibility of going back again, I, before she, I even finished reading, I said yes, <laughs> yes. You're you're the Carrie Fisher. That's the yes. story that they tell yeah. about Star Wars. Yeah. Is that uh, before George Lucas could even finish, Carrie went yes, and, <laughs> and, and Mark Hamill went okay, stop, <laughs> chill, <laughs> let's hear it out first. <laughs> Uh, it's it's nuts what some of the things, but a, a life changing experience uh, to say the least. Do you remember anything about the audition process uh, or the early filming of the pilot that really stands out to you? I kind of remember every minute of the audition process. I remember um, <laughs> going in. I think they'd seen probably too many guys by, by this time for Frank. I later, you know, half of them later ended up being guest stars on the show. It was so funny. Um, but, you know, they were very welcoming um, and wanted me to do it. I remember trying to talk Diane into not letting me go to the network. I'm saying, Diane, is there any way? Can I take less money? Mm. I had this horror. I, I had been rejected once or twice. Also made it, you know, gotten through it a couple of times, but it was a tormenting exercise in horror. I just was not in the mood to do it. I didn't want to do it. Please, God. It's very frank of you. And she said, don't. Oh, please. And she said, don't worry. Come on in. We'll just, we'll do it. We, we, they'll. And I have to say, you know, we did it. It was okay. They didn't want me. <laughs> like they didn't want, they didn't want anyone. The only no. one they wanted was Faith. <laughs> Faith was the only one they wanted. In that way, all along, <laughs> <laughs> and um, and Diane, you know, the, the famous story with Candace of of uh, them not wanting her and Diane saying, "Just a minute," and turning around and walking back into Kimmel's office, um, and she took care of that one. So <laughs> she pushed us all through, you know. Diane knows better. The Murphy Brown story. Yeah. So what was the what was the first time all of you together like? Did you find that that chemistry immediately? Were you a little awkward? You know, it was it was it was a little awkward. It was a little, yeah, but the chemistry came very quickly. We all went over to Diane's house somewhere. I don't even know where she was living out there. Maybe toward Malibu or something. And we all went in. Bobby Pastorelli, bless his heart, came late, of course. <laughs> <laughs> and we were all I, I remember walking up to slowly up to Candace who was out on, on the porch and I said you look like Candace Bergen to me <laughs> <laughs> scared to death and she was very sweet and then we were kind of about to leave and I know somebody mentioned should we have a read of this and it was like, oh, I mean, yeah. and then yes, and we did it, and that was it. We laughed our asses off and just had a ball, and it was a click. And you know what? Working on the pilot, 
I never saw a, a, a very often, you know that you know how it is. It takes time to develop these characters to figure out who they all are, what they're up to, where they're going, and uh, you had a real sense from day one of who each and every one of these people were, uh, and and uh, that was terrifically clear and startling. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. It, as an, as actors, like we've experienced that. Mm-hmm. Of course, you know, and, and, and I also remember, uh, particularly with, uh, Candace and Grant who hadn't done that format before at all, were sure that because the show was good, it would be picked up. And I was like, no, <laughs> you know, you don't know, you don't know because the show I mentioned earlier, The Associates, had reviews like we wrote them ourselves. They were some of the best reviews you'd ever read, and the show didn't last. Um, so, you know, we got these reviews and, and stuff like that. It, it was refreshing to see their optimism. Well, it's good. So it'll go, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and they were right. I was wrong. And, uh, you know, 10 years later, there is the proof. It was, uh, it was crazy. But that first year was sparkling. It was sparkling. The shows were so good. Um, it, it, it was, I was constantly amazed at, at, at so many good scripts. You know, the first bunch of years, there wasn't a clunker. It was ridiculous. Yeah. You go, this we're doing now? This, it was just all terrific. Uh, also rare, you know, you, you, very often when you're doing a show or well, we'll, we'll bury this one somewhere or we'll figure it out. And boy, there were none of those. There were none of those. It was very, very good. Was there a point in that first season, an episode where you remember feeling like I got it, where it clicked for you? Um, you know, I'm, I'm always very partial of, of the one of the things that uh, Diane had promised it was, oh, you know what, Joe, we're going to be doing this show where, where Murphy's biological clock is ticking and she wants to have a baby. And, you know, so I've always loved uh, my, my sperm donation show. Baby love. <laughs> yeah, we, we, we enjoy that one we as well. Yeah, that one a lot. I think it's a, a highlight. <laughs> It was fun to get close to Candace that way, and you know, to sort of, we had a lot of scenes together and, and stuff, and and um, yeah, that was that was, I think. But to be fair, also the pilot, everybody just sort of clicked on the pilot. It was a very quick thing, but I'm not sure what that that show, the one that I just mentioned, was like five or six in or something like that, maybe somewhere in that neighborhood. Oh, baby love. Uh, yeah, I think it's it's uh, might be six. I Somewhere think. Five. Yeah. Well, for us, and I don't know if you listened to our our episode on baby love, but for us, one of the things that we love about that episode is that it's it's the thing that gets the potential will they won't they out of the way, and it completely establishes the platonic relationship, which is what we love so much as consumers. Yeah, which on television is very rare. I mean, the only other sort sure. of platonic. A relationship that I can think of is Toby and CJ on the West exactly. Wing, which is a, another show that we're a big fan of. Mm-hmm. Can you maybe you know, talk a little bit about the the relationship between Murphy and Frank? Yeah, it, you know, and that was really 
unfolding. I think it kept surprising us as we went along. What exactly are we doing? What, you know, will this ever turn into anything else? Because there was, there were letters about that, and people would run into it. You know, would run into you and say, "Are you ever going to get together with her?" And this and that. And there was a lot of discipline to to keep it a friendship. And and what was terrific was over the years, I really felt that relationship deepening, their friendship deepening, and and it became a real, a, a genuine. You know, when they first met. I don't even remember the name of that episode. But where summer, summer of 77. Okay, where they go back. Thank you. Yeah, it's, it's actually one of my favorites. Tell you guys, I'm going to do my research with you for sure. <laughs> well, listen, <laughs> we're all, we've got it. We're also so, on yeah. season one right now, yeah. so that helps. We're so, very excited to get to that episode. Yeah, we're, we're <laughs> almost there. We're like three away was, or something. Yeah. That was terrific, you know. So so they always had, and, and I remember being advised by... Diane and Candace, who knew a lot of these, you know, Candace was very good friends with Diane Sawyer and knew people. Let's put it this way. They ran with a different crowd than I did. Okay. <laughs> so it was, so, you know, we're in the bar and they put me with all this hair and the thing and this stuff and it was fun. And, um, you know, and I was talking and, and maybe a, a little sort of, let's say softer little more easy than I should have been. And they started bringing up this really cool thing that these guys and girls, they are egomaniacs. They are, their opinions are the only ones that matter. They think highly of themselves. So it put a little more bravado into into the meeting of her. Oh yeah, well you know what I when I got my policy and I did this, blah blah blah. You know, it, it had a little more of that kind of energy. Like I'm not afraid of you. I'm not intimidated by you, and you're gonna want me. <laughs> you know, that kind of stuff, which was which was a, a great revelation and uh, fun to play. And I think it just everything over the years got where they really depended on each other. They, they helped each other. They, uh, it's, it was a, a rich relationship that would not have been able to, to occur if, if the other side happened. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Did you create any backstory for Frank that we ne- maybe necessarily didn't see on screen or maybe something that you made up that became, you know, there was a lot of Diane was, was very keen on watching you very carefully. I mean, she she would see how you'd you'd react to something or behave in a certain way, and sure enough, next week, hmm, in the scripts, this looks awfully familiar. Uh, so there was that kind of stuff. But mostly what we did, and this was an early thought from Diane and from Barnett, which was this has got to be like front page. It's got to be newsroom. It's got to be energy. It's got to be fast. It's got to be, you know, these people, they, they don't mess around. They, they're good with language. They say what they want. They don't hold back. And uh, so that kind of, and, and we did, you know, we would go around, look at the newsrooms here and there. But we also had the opportunity then, it was not as, as a, a wider net back then, you could look at particular anchors, particular, because these people that we were playing were stars in their own right. You know, they, they became news stars, news journalists who were big, 
you know, FYI was not a small show. Uh, it was like a 60 minutes type show. So you knew those characters. So you had that kind of stuff. Their foibles, their little issues that they had to deal with personally as well. But you could see their behavior. You had so many examples on television to watch. Um, not as much as you have now, where it's just a flood of God knows what. But um, Did you have any investigative reporters that you looked at for inspiration? Not, you know, not specifically, you know. Uh, and, and it's so funny, Frank was always saying he loved her, he loved this one, he loved that one. I, you know, I, I kind of was like him. I loved Kathleen Sullivan. I loved, uh, you know, <laughs> their whole we like to say that Frank is a hopeless romantic. He sure is. <laughs> Emphasis on the hopeless. Yes. <laughs> he just wants love and oh. he sees it everywhere. We're we're about to record uh, Moscow on the Potomac. Oh, yeah. And I was just living for your face when uh, Jim tries to say that she wants to marry you and stay forever. And it's <laughs> quite wonderful. Uh, yes. Based on uh, Frank's backstory, did you ever come up with a story behind his his jacket, his bomber jacket, and where he might have gotten it? No. We but, love that jacket. Yeah. You know, it's, it's a great jacket. <laughs> but I think Frank, you know, I think he shopped at the best stores, period. I, I think he shopped at a good stores. Uh, you know, all those suits that he wore. I didn't know, you know, I made the Italian and I did see The Godfather, but I didn't know from Armani and this one and that one. All of a sudden I'm wearing these sets. They oh man, <laughs> you know, I remember uh, Charlie Kimbrough even had a line because he always wore the Armani suits and he says, oh, God bless the man knows how to make clothes. <laughs> yes, Jim has a, a lot of references oh. to his clothing or yes, his clothing getting, getting must. Um, you know what you just said before about Diane really watching everybody. I I remember her being interviewed by Diane Sawyer, and she said that uh, you stopped telling her things. I mean, I'm sure she was half kidding because it would always <laughs> wind up in the show. It's so true. I mean, she she was is very keen, and it's great because I'll tell you, she has a way of capturing a voice. When I read the script, even reading the new script. She has your voice. Those lines are easy to say. And you, you just, you're both actors. You know what that means. It's just, it comes out of your mouth. The phrasing is right. You don't have to figure out how do I jump from this to that. The mechanics of what she says suit you uh, very well. And um, that's so rare. That's so rare. And it's, it's, I feel that way. Grant fails that way. Faith does. Candace does. You know, she's there. There, the voice that that is captured is is has a lot of us individually, plus Miles and Frank and Corky and so on. We hear that a lot from the writers of uh, for her as a leader talking about writing as that you should know the characters on the page when you look at the line about who's saying it. And I, I mean, my favorite version of that is every gym line. You just see the 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 rhythm of how he speaks is just Jim. It's not Frank. It's not Corky. It's Jim. Completely. Yeah. That's that's a, a, a great point. Uh, and uh, she is excellent. As good as I've ever seen anybody. And that's you know that's you know both sides and seen a lot of it. She's she's really good at that. And God, it means so much to an actor, especially as we're getting older, to 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 have words that are, are kind of fit in you. Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. And I'm sure much easier to memorize when you have a very quick week. Exactly. So much easier. Yeah, that's what I would say. That's what he would say here. Of course he would. You know, <laughs> it's, it's terrific. Do you want to talk a little bit? Uh, we sort of sometimes talk about uh, the week on a sitcom, at least the way it used to be. I don't know if it's going to be very similar when you, when you come back and how you work during that week from the table read to the filming. You know, we always had to. Uh, it, it, first of all, there's no doubt about it. A sitcom is the best job in show business. I can say it outright. As far as <laughs> as far as being in one place, having hours that you don't deserve, you need to work harder than you work. Um, it's a spectacular job. You go Monday through Friday. You have a little bit of of theater involved in that you have a live audience who comes and laughs if they want to, and, 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 and they don't laugh if they don't want to. You know, people think, oh, is it canned laughter? Is it? No, they're out there telling you what's funny and what's not. Um, so you have to build up to that. You can make your changes during the week. You're rehearsing like you would rehearse a play. And then you have that one, you know, that moment when the lights are on and you get to do it and you're filming it. So that's a joyous way to work. In, in, in Murphy Brown, I would say that it it's, tends to be the harder part of, of that only because, especially for Candace, as you've seen in past shows, they write her reams. I mean, she's got a ton of stuff, and then we say, yeah, can, but don't you think? And she goes, another ream. And then Tim McCorky comes in, hi, guys, and then, <laughs> you know, another one. So it's dialogue-driven. It's, it's idea-driven. It's about something, so we want to make sure that it's focused and, and, and things are pointed. I'm not saying that other shows don't, but there have been many times where you, you get down to four-day week. You know, do we really need to come in that day? You, you know, let's go home at 12 o'clock. Uh, all of it is great when you're, when you're really cranking away and, and, and the machine is working. And, but, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll spend that tough time. Let me tell you, it's, it's a grand... A grand job. I, I, I'm not uh, going down into a coal mine every day. I'm not doing something that people, you know, have to really work hard. But uh, we will we'll come in and we'll read the script at the table, and everybody's there, and the writers will convene afterwards. They'll decide this was funny, that wasn't funny, this was good. Then we'll make a few changes at that point. The network and the studio might have an idea or a note which, which they will they'll give, and uh, and then we'll start rehearsing. We'll start blocking it out right that day and get going, kind of a just a general thing. And then the next day we'll come back with the new script, changes that have been made, incorporate them, have a run through for the uh, for the writers, just for the writers that time like usually on the Tuesday night because you don't want to have the pressure of the network or the studio. It's just, let's see what we got. Let's work it. Let's see how we're blocked so far, you know, and, and, and then Diane would usually have some final notes that we'll take to Wednesday. Wednesday, then they bring in the network and everybody comes in. The crowds have gotten bigger over the years. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, mamma mia, they've gotten so big. It's hilarious. But <laughs> that's another story altogether. Um, and then there'll be a few notes. And then 
it, it pretty much it's in your hand, your camera block on, on the Thursday so that you bring the cameras in and they see what everybody's doing and, and they make their marks. That tends to be an intense, long day, but it gives us a chance to go work our lines and do our stuff. And then uh, Friday, you usually have a, you'll do some shooting in the afternoon of certain shows. You, you'll get them, uh, certain scenes, you get that out of the way, maybe tougher scenes that you don't want to bore the audience with. And then you bring the audience in and boom, there you go. And we're done. Another episode. <laughs> On to the next one. <laughs> yeah, it was a process that always fascinated me, me as too. a kid. There's this book, I don't know if you remember it. Uh, which we reference on the show a lot, but mm -hmm. we call it the Murphy Brown book, but it's called Anatomy of a Sitcom. Oh, do you have it? I think I you have, have it. Right over here. Yeah, she's going to go yeah. get it. And it uh, it takes you through the process. It's written by two uh, men whose names you'll get in a second, um, who also wrote a book on Mary and Tyler Moore. And uh, so it takes you from the pilot process or development, I should say, all the way through to working the week. So that's why I always like to ask that question, particularly from someone's point of view, because uh, I have not worked on a sitcom personally, but since I was 12, it was something that really fascinated me. Well, you know, the, the getting these sitcoms together is, is a whole other planet that I, I really I don't know that much about. I, for instance, this whole thing with, with Diane, I, I, I mean, if it's evident, we're, we're in awe of Diane. I mean, she's pretty remarkable, you know. Yeah. But this whole thing that she went and, and, and did from the time she first wrote an email to us, and I'm sure it was going on before then, but saying that, you know, Warner's is thinking maybe we should write one. She wants, uh, they want you guys to be in it. And what do you say if I wrote it? Blah, blah, blah. So, yeah. And then she said, we're going to see. And I want to, where do we go? What's the legacy? Do we want to repeat something? Do we want to bring it back? And she would ask us for ideas. And I have to say, she was very open to stuff that we suggested. And, and, and ideas like what was Frank doing? What has he been doing for these many years? Um, and, uh, you know, what are his pet peeves and this and that? She was very receptive, so there was mm. communication back and forth. But meanwhile, she's got to write this thing, put it together, bring it up to, what is this, 2018 now? Oh, it sure is. <laughs> bring it up to, to date, and, and then make sure Warner Brothers likes it, make sure CBS will like it, or somebody's got to buy it. Ay, yeah, yeah, I got to cast the whole thing, put it together. Uh, holy mackerel, that's a lot of, that's a whole lot of work going on. And I got to say, pretty single-handedly, you know, for, for these, it's been kind of a year almost, maybe more than a year since that first little email like we're thinking about. Oh, wow. I didn't realize it had been that long, but mm -hmm. I guess it, it must have been. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, they get a lot of people oh, in play. Get going now, you know? <laughs> you know, it's like, let's get this thing going. We're all uh, very excited about it. Well, first for reference, the anatomy of a sitcom, um, funny enough, based on your previous story, uh, the writers are Irby Brown and Robert Alley. Uh, they also wrote a behind-the-scenes book about the making of a Mary Tyler Moore show. Before they did the Murphy Brown book. Yeah, and it's from 1990, right? 1990 yeah. was published. So they, they started uh, being on uh, set, I think, around like the second season, and it when, takes you through it, the first and second season. When we post this podcast, I will um, on our Instagram, we'll definitely be posting some of the behind-the-scenes pictures of you oh, on set. Oh, my goodness. I do remember meeting them, though. I do. 
black and the whole thing is black and white. It's amazing. Yes, it's I, out of uh, technically out of print, so we recommend finding uh, wow. used bookstores and so on. It's great. Yeah, I think Amazon um, has some. Things. These don't seem that way. You know, it's like it's black and white. You know, they had to run it over some water and get rocks <laughs> and stuff. <laughs> While we're talking about the new show. We'd love to know if there's anything you can share with us. Yeah, about we assume Frank. you can't talk anything yeah. about it, but um, we don't want to get you in trouble. Yeah. But any thoughts or tidbits you might have? No. Yes. <laughs> Let me think. You know what? Um, Maybe about. Uh, it's so hard because it's like uh, we want to be surprised as well as fans. Yes, but, but I again, we don't want to get you get you in trouble. They're they're all. Um, everybody's going to be. Uh, no, I can't say anything. Yeah. You know, I, I do have terrific. I will say this. Mm-hmm. The first script is terrific. Good. The first script we is imagine so. Excellent. I mean, it's, it's I, 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 I'm not just saying because I'm part of it because that was a big thing, you know, for everybody. It's like, oh, God, what, you know, it's this is putting a lot of trust mm-hmm. and a lot of faith. And she came out with something. Uh, I, I think it's as good as our, our pilot. So I'm going to say that. 